Hey, good morning, everybody. It's uh, so great to be together today, and I'm just really excited about this opportunity to share a message from God's Word. Uh, but before we dive in, I just have to give it up to our worship team. They did such a great job. Can we show our appreciation? So great. So great and such a blessing. Now, if you grew up in church, perhaps you remember going to Sunday school as a young child. This was my experience as a preacher's kid. And one of the things that I remember is that I would learn several of the Bible stories through the songs we would sing each week. And one of the songs that I remember in particular had to do with a, a, a time when a man had an encounter with Jesus and his name was Zacchaeus. Does anybody remember the Zacchaeus song? Okay, good, good. I'm not alone in this. Okay, if you don't know the Zacchaeus song, you're in, a treat, you're in for a treat today. You're going to be glad you came to church, I promise. Okay, because yes, we are going to sing it just for those of you that may have never heard it. Okay, so are you with me in this? Yes, okay, great. Here we go. There's bonus points for actions. So, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. All right, good. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was great. Now, I remember teaching uh, my kids this song, and Mason in particular, uh, it's so memorable, he just couldn't say Zacchaeus, so it was always, Ikea, you come down. <laughs> so that's how I remember the song. But as I was preparing the message this week, there's something that stood out to me when, when I thought of this song. It's incomplete. It leaves out the best part of the story. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to camp out today or pull up the Bible app on your phone, and we're going to hear about the story of Zacchaeus. So here we go, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost." Today, as we unpack the story of Zacchaeus, we will witness a life that was changed by Jesus. And we will observe several key movements within his journey to the Savior that I, I hope and pray are true of you and true of me in our journey with Jesus. Let's pray together.
Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your provision. We thank you for your presence here among us today, and we just ask, God, that your will would be done. Lord, help us to have open hearts and minds and eyes. God, that you would do your work, your work alone. So God, we submit ourselves to you in this moment. And Father, we know that over the past couple days we've been dealing with a tragedy here in our city. And God, we just want to ask that you would continue to be the God of all comfort and the God of all peace for those families that have lost loved ones, for those that have so many unanswered questions and are grieving. We thank you that you are a God who is sovereign and that you see us all. And we're thankful that we can commune with you in this time together. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. So the story of Zacchaeus takes place while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem shortly before the Passover feast, right before he was going to be crucified. And along the way, he stopped in Jericho, which is where this story takes place. So you can kind of see on this map, there's this road to Jericho. It's about 15 to 20 miles on the way to Jerusalem. And the thing that we need to know about Jericho is that it was a very wealthy city, very wealthy city. It had an abundant spring nearby, which is kind of why it was wealthy. And so it contributed to these luscious palms and also this this product, balsam. And so there was a need for regulating the importing and exporting of the balsam in that area. So as you can imagine, Zacchaeus was in a very lucrative position as the chief tax collector for the Roman government in that region. Basically, Zacchaeus was not hurting. He, he was making bank in Jericho. And from the Gospels, we know that tax collectors were basically seen as the scum of the earth. They were the lowest of the low. They were classified as open sinners. Like everybody knew what tax collectors were up to. It wasn't hidden uh, by any means. So not only did they aid the Roman government who was oppressing the Jewish people of which Zacchaeus was a part. Okay, take note. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man and he was contributing to this oppression. So not only that, but tax collectors also would unlawfully fill their own pockets. They would charge excessive amounts. So these guys, yeah, they were, they were pretty much scum. And so here we have a hated Jewish tax collector working for the Roman government, and he was openly and blatantly cheating his very own people every single day. Yet, he wanted to see Jesus. And thus begins Zacchaeus' journey. In fact, that's actually the first movement that we see in his journey. He begins to look for Jesus. Zacchaeus was willing to go to great lengths to catch a glimpse of the Messiah. And from the song, we know that Zacchaeus was wee. He was short, right? He was, he was a short little fella. And just speaking from my own experience, those of us that never reached six feet tall, 5'11", by the way, so close, I'm not bitter, NBA career went out the window very early on, but as an athlete growing up, I realized if you're not tall, especially in basketball, you better be fast. You better be quick. And so I'm just going to speculate that Zacchaeus was lightning fast, 
just my own speculation. That's why he was able to run ahead of the crowd, probably pretty limber too, so he climbed the tree and he's ready to see Jesus. Again, just my speculation. However, one thing that we need to know about this is that Jewish men did not run in public in that day and age, nor did they climb trees. That would have been seen as very dishonorable in that type of culture, um, in an honor and shame type of culture where they, they prize that commodity of honor. And so here we have Zacchaeus, not caring if he disgraces himself or dishonors himself because nothing was going to impede his vision of seeing Jesus. And shouldn't we be the same, right? Shouldn't we be the same? Whether you're seeking Jesus for the very first time in your life or, or you've already said yes to him and you've been following him for some time, shouldn't we always be looking for Jesus? Fixing our eyes upon Jesus? Absolutely. And I'm not talking about a game here. It's not like hide and seek. It's not as if Jesus is trying to be elusive and he's trying to hide, just waiting to be found. It's, it's not like that. It's this constant state of mind. It's this ongoing, continual discipline where we train ourselves to continually focus upon Jesus and look for him in all things. And this is difficult today in our culture. It, it really is. It's very difficult. Now, I can't speak for anyone else here, but I know for me, I can become very distracted and lose my focus just like that. <laughs> what did I just say? All right, that's a bad joke. But seriously, I can lose my focus. I can become so distracted. Just ask my wife. It's, it's very easy for me. And there are different things in my life that kind of contribute to this that I've been able to identify. For instance, when I succumb to seasons of workaholism, like I can lose my focus. Or in all honesty, I get caught up in the latest Netflix binge and then all of a sudden that orders my time and attention. Or, or I'll wear my busyness you know, as a badge of honor as if I'm accomplishing something and I lose my focus. And the thing is, th these things, they aren't bad in and of themselves. Don't get me wrong. Love me some Netflix, Disney Plus, all those things. But I, and I love my work. I, I am trying to be better about busy seasons, creating margin, things like that. But the problem is, when Jesus is no longer prioritized in my life, my vision becomes blurry, and I quickly lose sight of my Savior. And so like Zacchaeus, when we eliminate those distractions, whether it's the crowd or, or the noise, any obstacle that is impeding our vision, and we make it a priority to look for Jesus, we will see him. We have that promise in Scripture. In the Bible, God tells us, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And Jesus himself reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God. Look for Jesus. Seek him in all things. Now, as the journey continues, we know that Jesus 
called Zacchaeus by name, even though, as far as we know, they had never met before. But he calls him by name and asks him or tells him to come down. Now, of course, the crowd didn't care for this at all, obviously. I mean, what was Jesus doing? This was not kosher. It wasn't cool. It wasn't deserved. But Jesus, he didn't care. Even though it was disgraceful for a Jewish rabbi to associate with somebody like this, he didn't care because Jesus was always about his father's work. Always about his father's work, no matter what. And I think that there's something very significant happening at this moment in the story when Jesus says the name Zacchaeus. Now I'm gonna speculate once again that Zacchaeus was probably called by many names in that day and age, right? And not the kind ones. You know, cheat, liar, sellout. I mean, you name it. Probably way worse than that that we're not gonna say in church today. But he was probably called by so many names. So just picture, picture that moment when Jesus stops and he looks up to Zacchaeus and with a heart full of compassion and tenderness says, Zacchaeus come down. Did you know that the name Zacchaeus means righteous one? Righteous, justified, pure? (laughs) I'd like to think that maybe, just maybe in this moment, Zacchaeus is daring to believe the truth of his name. And he's beginning to live into his true identity. Zacchaeus, I don't see you for what you've done. I see you for who you were created to be, my righteous one, justified and made whole. And you know what? Zacchaeus listens. He listens to Jesus and he continues to listen to Jesus and we see this movement as just another part of his journey. Zacchaeus listens to Jesus. And in a world today that prizes quick and witty responses, listening has become such a lost art, right? I'm I'm not saying anything new here, but listening truly has become a lost art. And it would do all of us a lot of good to heed the Bible's command of being quick to listen, slow to speak. Or perhaps quick to listen, slow to post on Facebook or tweet at someone right? Quick to listen and slow to speak. As a parent of four young kids, listening, getting them to listen can be one of the most frustrating things in my daily life. Parents, are you with me? Feel me? Anyone out there? Yeah. Listening. I mean, they're constantly talking and talking over each other and interrupting, and I just, I just want them to listen, just, just listen, just, just for a second. Now, granted, some of that is due to my own frustration and wanting to be heard, but stick with me here. Just every so often, okay, not all the time, but once in a while, I want them to listen for their own good because I have an encouraging word to speak over them or a pr- profound truth to speak into them. I think for us today, we need to be reminded that Jesus is still calling us by name 
so that we might live into our true identity as his righteous ones. And just like Zacchaeus, it's time to leave the sycamore tree, come down from our high position and welcome Jesus gladly and with joy into our house. Maybe for the very first time or simply yet again. Because when we do, we create this space in this humble posture where we can listen to Jesus. And then we remember his grace. We remember his his forgiveness, his mercy, and the true freedom that we have in him. Well, as the Sunday school song concludes, Jesus declares, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. And then the song ends, right? I've never caught this before, but I'm like, the song ends and it's leaving out the best part. So look with me just one more time, beginning in verse eight. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, referring to himself, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Salvation has come to this house. Man, I love that. Salvation has come. It doesn't take much Bible reading to realize that Anytime someone spends time with Jesus, their life can drastically and powerfully change. And that's what we're seeing here in this story with Zacchaeus. And it's actually part of his movement, part of his journey. All of a sudden, he begins to live for Jesus. And his newfound faith is evident through his actions. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, to the law of Moses, If a thief voluntarily confessed his crime, he had to restore what he took, add one-fifth to it, and then bring a trespass offering to the Lord. That's outlined in Leviticus chapter 6. Or in Exodus 22, it says, if he stole something he could not restore, he had to repay that amount fourfold. Notice that Zacchaeus doesn't quibble over the terms of the law here and, and try to figure out like what category he fits into. No, he simply offers to pay the highest price. A heart change had taken place because salvation had come to his house. And it wasn't anything that Zacchaeus had achieved or done of his own will. It wasn't because he promised to repay and right these wrongs. It wasn't because of that. He was saved because of his faith and the gracious word that Christ spoke to him. Salvation had come and Zacchaeus' journey had led him to live for Jesus. A few weeks ago, I celebrated a uh, milestone birthday and it was awesome. It was so much fun. It was a great weekend. I had the best time with, with many friends and, and family. But one of the things that I did, the, the very, actually the very first thing I did that day when I woke up on my birthday, I got out my journal and I looked back, skimming over the last decade. 
And I'll tell you, it was one of the most rewarding exercises. It, I couldn't have started my birthday in a better way. I mean, I, I'm reading these entries, I was laughing, I was crying, I was uh, recognizing that by kids three and four, my journal entries just really started to taper off. That's why I could get through 10 years. So don't worry, kids three and four got like at least one shout out each. So they are included in um, the history of the Weber House. But I, uh, man, I'll tell you what, just looking through answered prayers, um, times of doubt and struggle, times of honestly being angry at God, you know, those were tough seasons, but also uh, seeing all of the seasons of joy, uh, just so much good happening. And by the end of it, honestly, man, I was just grateful for Jesus. Just grateful. And I think Zacchaeus and I have something in common, and I'm going to guess that maybe you do as well. <clears throat> so here it is. I would sum up Zacchaeus' journey this way. Because Jesus is Savior, my life has changed. Because Jesus is Savior, my life has changed, and I will forever be grateful to him. I, I couldn't imagine life any other way. I really couldn't. Because salvation through faith in Jesus Christ results in a changed life. So let me get right to it and ask, have you been saved? Have you accepted this free gift of grace through Jesus, our Savior, this beautiful gift that is waiting for all of us? If you haven't, I know that we say this a lot, but we truly mean it. We would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. One of our ministers would. In fact, if you're online right now, there's somebody at this moment who would love to talk to you or after the fact. You can, you can go to outlookchurch.org yes. You guys have seen this URL uh, before. I'm telling you, it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Jesus is waiting, he is ready, and he wants to bring salvation to your house. Now, if you're like me, Perhaps you've already said yes to Jesus and you've been following him for quite a while now, for, for a number of years. And I just want to issue all of us a challenge. Because like Zacchaeus, we are all on a journey in this, this Christian faith that we share. We're all on this, this walk with Jesus. And so we're always moving, we're always seeking to, to be growing. And as we navigate through life, Jesus wants us to continue living into our true identity as his righteous sons and daughters. So here's what I want us to do. Go ahead and get out your phone right now. If it's not already out, go ahead and get out your phone or a piece of paper and a pen because I want all of us to jot something down. Go ahead. You can go ahead and do that. If you're joining us at home, go ahead and grab something to write with because I think this can be such a valuable exercise for us. I want us to write down two questions. Two questions, one to reflect upon and one to respond to. First, because Jesus is Savior, how has my life changed? Because Jesus is Savior, how has my life changed? I'm telling you, when you stop and you reflect and you listen, you carve out time to go through this exercise, it can be such a blessing to see God's working, to see what he's been up to. Second question, 
Because Jesus is Savior, what is one thing that needs to change in my life? What's one thing? Not a bunch of things. This isn't New Year's resolutions where they just kind of taper off after a few weeks. No, we start simple. What's one thing that God might be leading me to change in my life? You know, Zacchaeus made a drastic change, a huge life change, and maybe that's where you are. Maybe God is revealing something to you. Maybe he is calling you to make a big life change. Or maybe God's just nudging you to take one small incremental step in the right direction. Listen, this last year's been tough, and I'm going to guess if you're anything like me, I've developed some really unhealthy rhythms in my life that I need to change. And I think God wants to change inside of me. Now, this can be an exercise where it's personal. It, it, it can be through journaling. Or you could do this with your small group or a trusted friend, a group of friends. But however you interact with these questions, I truly believe that there's something Jesus wants to reveal to you and to me. I truly do. This isn't meant to be a religious requirement. It's not to be burdensome or anything like that. Honestly, I see it as just a part of the gift of our salvation. Because our salvation, as we often say here, it's not a transaction, but it's a lifelong transformation. It's this continual, ongoing process that reminds us Jesus is not done with us yet. Not by any means. He is not done with us yet. And like Zacchaeus, we as Jesus followers, just need to keep moving. Look, listen, live, open our eyes and look to Jesus. Create space so that we might listen to him in order that in all things we strive to live for him. And our time of reflection can begin now as we respond in communion, when we take the bread and when we take the juice. And I just wanna encourage us to keep these two questions in front of us. Because Jesus is Savior, how has my life changed and what is one thing that needs to change? You know, when I go home today, having a big family, I'm probably gonna see a little bit of a messy house. That's just kinda where we are in our life right now. And I'll walk into the house and I can see, you know, some toys scattered on the floor. I can see uh, that project I haven't quite gotten to yet or something that needs renovating. I could see a, a stain in the carpet. Sometimes I just see the mess. And I'm here to tell you today that when we look at our spiritual houses, when we look at our lives, our tendency is often just to see the mess, right? We see all these things that, that need to change, and that can be a good thing, but if we fixate on our mess, we kind of lose sight of what Jesus wants us to remember. If you've said yes to Jesus, here's what I want you to know today. Salvation has come to your house and you are God's child. And so when Jesus sees your house, he doesn't see the mess. He's not detracted or, or distracted by that. 
by any means. No, he's been at work. Even, even when we can't see it, he's been at work. He's still at work. And we have the promise of scripture that he will take this good work that he started and carry it on to completion until the day of his returning. Because Jesus is Savior, hallelujah, my life has changed, right? Because Jesus is Savior, my life has changed. Amen.